0: Hi, welcome to church today. The message you're about to listen to came from a recent gathering at our church. Be encouraged as you enjoy this message. And remember, fasting doesn't change God. Fasting clears toxins and things out of the way so that you hear more clearly. But beyond that, scripture shows everywhere there's just incredible things that happen when people fast. And again, there's so many places, but I just was struck by this very familiar verse in Esther chapter 4. Now, you know, Esther's about the story when Haman was very angry about Mordecai, Esther's uncle, because Mordecai would not bow down to him, and he was like the number two guy in the kingdom under King Xerxes. And so he determined to pull a quick one, basically, and he had the king... He told the king that there was this particular people throughout all the 127 provinces that King Xerxes was over. And he said they're called Jews. And he said these people are detrimental to the kingdom and they're going to cause harm. And he said, please let us have a decree that all Jews, all Jews be killed, be destroyed. Now you have to understand this is a heavy thing because at that time in history, all, all the Jewish race was here. They'd all been taken here. Had Haman's plan succeeded, basically the Jewish race would have faded from from existence. So Esther has come into favor with the king. She's now the queen. You you probably remember the story. So Mordecai approaches her after Mordecai hears all this story about what Haman has thought up to destroy all the Jews. And it says here in Esther 4, verse 12, and they told Mordecai what Esther said. Then Mordecai told them to return this answer to Esther. Do not flatter yourself that you shall escape. In other words, Esther, just because you're the queen now, don't think you're going to escape what Haman's starting to do. Don't flatter yourself that you shall escape in the king's palace any more than all the Jews, all the other Jews. I actually posted this verse today because it just hit me again. For if you keep silent at this time, he said, Now relief and deliverance shall arise for the Jews from elsewhere, but you and your father's house will perish. But this classic, beautiful statement, But who knows but that you have come to the kingdom for such a time as this. Hallelujah. And for this very occasion, But what goes on to say, then Esther told them to give this answer to Mordecai. And in verse 16, she says, Go, gather together all the Jews that are present in Shushan and fast for me. I neither eat nor drink for three days, night or day. I also and my maids will fast as you do. Then I will go to the king, though it's against the law, and if I perish, I perish. So Mordecai went away and did all that Esther had commanded him. And the thing, why is the, I'm sharing this, like I said, just struck me because then you follow on, and basically you see how every single plot and plan It's a new, new voice I have. Every single plot and plan that Haman had that would have destroyed all the Jews was literally turned upside down, turned on its head. Remember, he'd built this 75-foot tall gallows to hang uh, Mordecai on, and of course, wound up being hung on it himself, including all his seven sons. But the point is, favor came, um, demonic plots were unveiled and discovered, and basically just things were turned around and changed. Now again, we could go through the whole book. I think I shared with you last week. Every time you see a place where it says, and they humbled themselves, it really means they went into some fasting. All I can tell you is there's something incredibly supernatural about doing a heartfelt fast before Almighty God, decreeing and declaring a fast. A fast must be decreed. It must be declared. Every one of you as an individual must set this time apart, must say it unto the Lord, say it in the Holy Spirit. I am setting this time apart before you. I consecrate myself to the Lord for these few days in Jesus' name. But all I can tell you is things shift, stuff moves, doors open, bad stuff stops, good things start. I mean, it's just all through scripture. There's some kind of a supernatural spiritual exchange that happens between heaven and earth when we humble ourselves before the Lord and fast. And so it's not a hunger strike. Remember, fast isn't a hunger strike. It is a spiritual sacrifice unto God that opens doors and changes things and causes things to happen and be quickened. So do take this, if you would, seriously. Again, if you've never fasted, but everybody, nobody raised their hand, so I'm assuming all of you have fasted before. But like I said, make sure you decree it. Now, the main thing we're fasting for it may seem well, light to you, but it isn't to me, is that we have true clarity of vision, that we actually have a unity of understanding, that we're here, even as was said this morning in our worship, we are here, the major reason we are here is to glorify the name of Jesus Christ and to reflect him. We want people to see Jesus in us. That's what it's all about. But practically, indeed, we want our building in Jesus' name. Like I keep saying, there's a building right outside these doors somewhere in this town. It has our name on it. It's been kept and preserved for us. It's probably being prepared for us right now. Uh, Seriously, see, I'm not saying that to try to hype you up. I've seen those things happen too many times when I lived in American churches. I saw too many times the supernatural. I watched, for that matter, my good friend... Uh, Steve Derbyshire in Ilford. I watched what God did for his church. He's got now one of the most beautiful church facilities ever. Steve and I are good buddies. And just to see what God did, what that came from, and a lot of fasting, a lot of prayer. God will withhold no good thing from those who walk uprightly before him. So give yourself to it. Say, Father, in the name of Jesus, I set apart these days. Like I said, three days. If, you set, if you do Two days, stop. Either day, do two more days however do it longer but do yourself a favor and step out into this discipline we need to do it once a month really at least a cut like we try to julie and i try to fast one day a week anyhow just because we want to keep like i said living as it were a fasted life so anyhow please take this to heart okay so we're going to begin tomorrow morning so tonight, you know, like, you'll do like Emmanuel. Emanuel said he's going to have 24 pizzas and six cheeseburgers tonight. No, he won't do that. <laughs> but, uh, and may, let me tell you that when you break a fast, too, don't go crazy. When you, it's very, very, very important that you, you know, what you first break a fast with, if you've been fasting a long time, is what you'll crave for the next three months. So just chill. You know what I mean? do Don't jump off into 75 barbecued ribs over at some house, something like that. You hear me? But anyhow, I just want to pray for us about that. Father, as I just shared with our people and your people, we do not want to do anything religiously or mechanically because I know there's no favor from heaven on that. So, Father, from my heart, I'm asking that you reveal your will for every individual in here. If families are able to come into agreement, so be it. But Father, may they bow their knee in a place of consecration and may they declare this fast in their own life. Let none be under compulsion or feel that they have to act out of have to. But grant them the courage, Father. Grant them the tenacity to break through in these areas because of what you will pour out. You will not only speak clearly to them, they will hear what they have not heard. They will see what they have not seen. And, Father, things shift. They simply, as I just mentioned, things shift in the heavenlies. And that causes shifts in our natural life down here. And they're only good shifts. That's the glory. So, Father, we declare these days unto you. We give them to you. We say, Father, we as a church corporately and individually enter into this time as of tomorrow morning to be before you, to read more, to pray a little more, to think on you. And during the times when we would be eating, that again we'd read and pray. And Father, as your scripture tells us, we will not be blasting around everybody, hey, I'm fasting, I'm fasting. You said just don't do that. That's that's just diminishes anything and everything. You said to wash yourself, be clean, be alert, be active. So Father, we give these next seven days to you. We do. And we trust You kept saying in my spirit this morning an old statement. I just kept hearing, you know, breakthrough, breakthrough, breakthrough. And I thank you, Father. Actually, what I heard was break out, break out, break out. And I thank you, Father. I just trust you for the Holy Ghost breaking out amongst our families here, our people, our young men, our young women. Holy Spirit, we give you full freedom. Break out on us any way you desire in the holy name of Jesus Christ, I pray. If you agree with that at all, say amen. 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 Okay, praise God. Alrighty. Good morning. Turn to your neighbor and tell them how good-looking they are for a moment. Come on, be bold. Turn to your neighbor and say, I know these three guys, these two brothers, brothers here, wisdom, wisdom, I command you to turn to the brother next to you and tell him how good-looking he is. Yeah. <laughs> I just wanted to see him smile. That's <laughs> how to embarrass somebody. Anyhow. Father, I give you praise for this. I thank you for your word again. It says the entrance of your word brings light. And it does bring understanding to the simple. And Father, even that song we sang this morning, I just felt the strength on that phrase we sing often. There's power in that statement. Let the future begin. Let the future begin. It is true. Our entire future is in front of us right now. And I love what my wife always says and shares. And it's true. Prayer, all prayer is about the future. Your future is as good as your prayer life, really. Because it's through prayer that we soak our future. With faith in you. So Father, I'm just asking that you would again pour out your spirit of wisdom, revelation. Please flood our hearts with your light. Holy Spirit, Jesus said that when you come, you will shine your light and illuminate and reveal your truths to us. And truth always brings freedom with it. When it's received and when it's acted upon. So Father, with this very familiar truth this morning, I pray that you would help me to communicate this as quickly as possible. And again, we would be helped by it in Jesus' name. That's my prayer. Amen. Amen. I'm going to give honor again to Robert Morris. I've taught on the soul many times, but I watched one of his videos the other day, and again, it just quickened me to something. And it made me, my mind start spinning again and thinking on a few things. So, And he asked this question in one of his videos. He said, really, when you think, why do people go away from the Lord? People do go away from the Lord. Everybody in here. Some people have been away from the Lord for a year. Some people have been away from the Lord for a month, a week, a day, hours. But we've all done it where we simply... Go away. We simply kind of back off of our Christianity. And you have to ask yourself why that happens, you know. And the reason that it happens is because of what we think, what we want, and what we feel. It's just that simple. It's because of what we think. And it's because of what we want and what we feel. Now, remember, think means equals the mind, right? It's so real simple. Thinking means mind. What you want speaks to your will. That's your soul. And, of course, what you feel, your emotions, you know, is the same thing. So that's what it is. Your think equals your mind. Want equals will. Feel equals emotions. If to do so is to follow what your soul wants, not what your regenerated spirit wants. We all know the verse, we're to be led by the Spirit of God. As many as are led by the Spirit, they are the weos. The Greek word weos means adult sons of God, mature. To be mature in Christ, you have to be led by your Spirit. But again, this we have this problem. Um, you know. And again, I think as we've already got up here, we think it, we want it, and we bless God, say, I'm going to find out a way to get it. That's the way we've lived. And again, we got to remember, and again, this is common knowledge to most of us that I think we have on here. We we are a trichotomy. We are a spirit. First Thessalonians 5:23 says, He said, I pray God that you might be sanctified, holy spirit, soul, and body. Remember the basics. You are a spirit. You have a soul, and you live in the body. The very word soul is suke, and it means self. So to be soulish is to be selfish. Okay. Anyhow, like I said, I'm just going to move quickly. Now, God created our spirit to relate to him. Now, this is real basic, but you need to catch the foundation because of some things I'm going to say in a little bit. Our spirit, he created our spirit to relate to him. He created our soul to relate to him and his creation. And he created our emotions or our, our bodies to to relate to his creation alone. So he created our spirit to relate to him, our soul to relate to him and his creation, our bodies to relate to creation alone. It's real simple. Basically why soul is creation and him is because it's like when you... If you've ever maybe swam with some dolphins and you see creation and you don't know how much it brings you joy, your soul is incredibly blessed if you've ever done that. Or you, you climb like me in the mountains, you get up into the beautiful high mountains, and you see these incredible views that just blow your mind. That's because your soul is being impressed. Your soul is being incredibly blessed to say the Lord by such things. But here's the problem. In Genesis 2:7. it speaks. Put up Genesis 2:7 just real quick. It's a very familiar verse. You can put it up there. I'm not going to turn to it. I'll let you do the work back there, John. I see how quick John works. Everybody have a cup of tea while he does this? Helen. Thank you, Lord. You can just feel his South African fingers flowing right now. Go, John, go. There you go. Then the Lord God formed man from the dust, the earth, and he breathed into his nostrils the breath of the spirit of life. And... That's just that the spirit. And he became a living being. And it speaks to a soul. It's so I mean, right in the very beginning, you see spirit, soul, and body is all I'm trying to say. Now, Adam and Eve, when they when God created them, he created them right in his image. Is that correct? Their spirits, they're the only two ever born with their spirits alive. Their spirits were alive unto God. Therefore, they had relationship with God. But the moment they sinned, the moment they transgressed, I want you to just, again, this is simple, but I've got to go to some of these basics. The moment they sinned and ate of that fruit and just broke that commandment, their spirit died. You remember they said, he said lest you said, don't eat this lest you die. But we all know their bodies didn't die, did they? Their souls didn't die because then immediately they went and hid themselves and they were afraid and they said, I heard you walking in the garden, I was afraid. Their soul was still functioning. But their spirit died. Now catch how powerfully important that is. Whereas for however long before they fell, was, they were in perfect, clear, pure relationship to God. But the moment they sinned against God, that Their ability, let me put it this, their ability to relate to God was broken. And now, the only way they're recognizing or viewing or seeing God is through their soul. And the first, very first emotion that enters into them is fear and shame and guilt. Right? The first thing that happens when your spirit dies, okay, was that. And it's like I said, Adam's soul didn't die. Now, Ephesians 2 says that we were all dead in our trespasses and sins, and he made us alive again in Christ. Sometimes we don't really see what Jesus said in John 10. 10. You know, John 10.10 is where he said, I came that you might have life and have it more abundantly. And we love that about abundance. We're a house of abundance. That's a great thing. But what I want you to hear is this. A lot of people don't think about this. Before Jesus, you were dead. The very reason he came was to give you life again, to give you the opportunity to be in a position where you could once again relate to God because you can't, you can't accurately know God, relate to God through the soul alone. And, we all, and again, the soul, what is it? The mind, the will, the emotions. What I think, what I want, what I will. That's where all these crazy sectarian religious cults and stuff come from. These are think about it, all these people that don't know Christ, they are dead. Their spirits are dead. It's impossible for them to relate to heaven accurately. And so going about their intellect, their thought processes, their will, and what they would like to happen, they create a form, they create something that to them justifies what being religious is. Did you hear what I said? That's important. All of that stuff, think about it. Why on earth would we want to follow dead spirits? I'm just saying, why would you want to follow the wisdom or the counsel of people who are dead? In spirit. This is why throughout scripture he talks so much about, don't watch out about wrong alliances wrong alliances. I mean, he demonstrated and illustrated that even all through, even about cloth. He said, you know, that wool and this can't mix and this, that, and the other, just like oil and water can't mix. There's just some things. What relationship does Christ have with Belial or righteousness with unrighteousness? There are just some things you're not to listen to, to say the least. I know that's obvious. Again, but like I said, just stay with me. Why would we take counsel from a dead spirit? And I'm saying, you know, we're to walk in the love of God. We're, like I said, to reflect the love of Jesus. But never, ever forget what I'm telling you. When you talk to people who in the world, yes, sometimes they have understanding that we don't, just like God used King Cyrus and others, and they, he uses them to help us. But as far as becoming, the Bible says, anybody who takes their stand as a friend of the world takes their stand as an enemy of God. This is why people don't really understand the word friend. Friend is a powerful word. It doesn't mean an acquaintance. The word friend means that you enter into covenant with, that you actually come into agreement with. You're going to live like they live. They're going to live like you live. Friend. Friend in the Bible is a huge word, huge, gigantic word. It's not, you know, it's been diluted down now where you meet somebody and five minutes later you say they're your friend. Well, they're not really. They're an acquaintance, anyhow. So, this is the problem, like I said, Adam and Eve have now they can only relate to God by what they can reason what they can figure out in their own mind what they felt they wanted what made them feel okay mind, will, and emotions remember mind is what we think will is what we desire emotions are what we feel as simple as it sounds this is where Christians get into problems we make decisions Listen, we make decisions based upon what we think and what we want don't we? And what we feel like. That's, that's just obvious. That's what we do. But the point is, you have to get to the place where you don't, excuse me, Lord, where you don't give a flip about what you think. Yourself. You have to become so... Actually, you don't... You get to become so separated unto Christ that the first thing that comes into your thought life is what does God think? What does God want? where does God feel about this that I'm thinking about doing? But before that, like I said, myself, you know, I came to the Lord, I think, when I got saved in that jail cell in Bakersfield, California. I think I was 21, 21 years old. So for 21 years, Rod did what he thought, what he wanted, and Rod did what he felt like doing. So that's why Rod became a heroin addict. That's why Rod found himself in prison three times. That's why Rod went through hell and back. That's why God, or Rod, uh, experienced some of the horrible stuff that he experienced. This morning was funny. I, I took a shower this morning. I tell you, you need to be, your mind has to be renewed with the Word of God. And for some reason, just as I was stepping out of the shower and toweling off and getting dressed, I had all this shame suddenly just out of nowhere, man. I was fine. I woke up fine, you know, cool. <laughs> But I mean, I woke up and and all and good, and just all of a sudden, bam, it's like somebody threw a a quilt on me or something shame and guilt came on me suddenly I remembered all the shame i I brought upon you know I feel I brought upon my family from being arrested and, t- and all this stuff, going to prison these times, and I felt guilt for the people that had hurt and incredible just um, you know things too ugly to mention you know that happened B.C. before Christ. And it hit me. I just thought, my God, what is this all about? And suddenly, you know how the Lord, just this morning, it's so good to know God. That's all I can say. Because I, in other words, I'm just trying to say, I don't care who you are, you still get hit with stuff. And one of the major verses, one of the major glories of what Jesus did for us, I think, is when it says he came to deliver you from all guilt, all shame. Coming to Christ does a, a, what a supernatural miracle to have absolutely no guilt, no shame. Remember, Paul had killed people, caused people to be killed. Remember before he was saved, right? Remember, and you remember a couple of chapters later, he, Paul says, "I have wronged no man." It's almost like you wait, we caught you in a lie, dude. You butchered people, you caused people. But no, he had he had the grip on what it meant to be brand new in Christ. So this morning, all that stuff hit me. And I went right back to Teen Challenge instantly. I just, I went, whoa. And I just, I didn't think to do it. I just went, I'm a new creation. I'm a brand new man. Old things have passed away. I've been born again. More than a conqueror. That's who I am. I'm a new creation. I'm a brand new man. And I mean, yeah. And it's just like you know the sea just parted. Corning's that old song is God this is why you know we so much are into worship and using stuff but because when you're spirit man, see when your spirit and your soul get in agreement, your body got to follow. I'm telling you and that stuff will just wax off of you I, to me that's an incredibly important thing because like I said, No, never mind. It sounds like you're glorifying the devil when I say, and I'm not going, it's just that, you know, some of the stuff I went through, I mean, you know, it's just stupidity quadrupled by five billion, you know, light, stupid, stupid, stupid. Hallelujah. I know how to be stupid, or at least I used to. Let's put it that way. Praise God. Good morning. Hallelujah. We're in church. Glory to God. So basically, the number one thing you have to do is you have to tell yourself, I don't care what I think. I have to get to the place where really it's not that I stop thinking, but see, the whole renewal of the mind causes me to pause and look and ask, is that thought, does that thought line up with how my God thinks? It's just that simple. I know this is simple, but like I said, the question was, why do people go away from the Lord? It happens so quickly. Trust me, you're looking at an expert. (laughs) It happens so quickly. You begin to devise a plan. You begin to think it out. Like I said, you know, I was a heroin addict, you know, for many, many years, like 15 years, something like that. Addiction, and see, this is exactly what happened. This is what addiction is. I mean, you, you, your mind goes to the outer limits, figuring out how to find that next fix. You know what I mean? I mean, unless you've been actually, for real, dog-ugly addicted, especially to heroin, you know, you don't know what I'm talking about, but, I mean, this is why people commit all these crimes and women sell their bodies and they're doing anything. I don't care. I've got to have a fit. Fa- you know, I've got to get this <clears throat> off of me and I've got to get back to this place of normality, you know, which is what you think it is once you fix, you know, shot heroin into your bloodstream. And your mind knows and it does that. And see, the thing is, again, like I said, all of us, you guys out there, all of you ones that have these holy looks on your faces right now, all of you, are highly trained, like all of us were, to live according to how we figure things out, how we think things through for ourselves. Think these things through before you act. Well, yeah. But again, you can't, I don't care what you think. What does God think? If you keep living by what you think, by what you feel like doing, you're going to be in trouble a lot of your life, aren't you? You just simply are, because I, I don't know. I've got a deep revelation for all of you in 2020 right now. you ready for a deep, deep revelation? Yeah. God is smarter than you. Yeah. He, he just is. Anyhow, I can see you're thrilled by all this. So when you make a soulish decision, it's selfish, because, again, the word "suke" it actually means that. We have to learn how to make a spirit decision. In other words, our soul needs to mature. So basically, number one, the soul is selfish. We only related to God from the vantage point of our mind. We couldn't go anywhere else because our spirits were dead. Now, the mind, this is something that science has proven. The mind is the very best computer possible on earth today. I said the mind is the very best computer. I'm going to just share a couple of things here. It's funny. You know that everything, listen to me, science confirms that your mind knows everything that you've ever seen, that you've ever heard, that you've ever experienced. Your mind knows everything, everything from day one that you've ever seen, heard, experienced. And you say, well, I don't think I do because I do have time. I don't remember anything. No, but that's because it goes into your subconscious. It's not in your conscious life. It's in your subconscious. Have you ever tr- tried to recall a name or something like this to go, you know, what's the name of that guy? Uh, oh, you know, that guy that came to church last week. What was his name? You know, the tall dude, the guy that sat in the back, you know, what, what was that guy's name? You know, and you go, well, uh, what was that name? We talked for like 10 minutes. I can't remember his name. And you can't figure it out for nothing. But normally, the name comes to you like either right before you go to sleep or the moment you wake up because your mind's relaxed and you go, oh, that's who it is. His name is Joe. I remember Joe, yeah, Joe, Joe. Because it was always in your subconscious. Now just stay with me. I'm just smiling, thinking to myself. Your mind categorizes everything. When you walk into a room... Your mind immediately goes to work, and it says, have I ever seen, heard, or experienced this room before? I'm talking about something science confirms. Your mind will say, yeah, I've experienced 490 rooms similar to this one. Um, I've seen 72 rooms that are incredibly similar to this one. And I've seen four rooms that are almost identical. That's how we get what the world calls deja vu. Because it's always in your subconscious. Anything and everything you've ever experienced. Did you hear me? Now that's where the worldly people say, well maybe, no, I'm experiencing something I experienced in another life. No, there ain't no other life. Sorry, this is the life you've got right here, dude. <laughs> Anyhow, you ever met someone? I know that, again, my people are supremely holy. But if you ever met someone and like instantly you didn't like them, I mean, the moment you saw him, just something went off and, I don't like this dude. I don't like him. Something's funky here. It's like in um, Morris, he shared this part, and he made me laugh. He said, it's like, he said, you and your wife go into a restaurant, and he said, you and your wife sees somebody that she knows, and she goes, oh, look, look, here's Susie. You remember Susie? How you work out with Susie? You remember Susie? And as all husbands do, you go, oh, yeah, I remember Susie. Don't remember nothing. <laughs> we don't remember Susie at all, but you know the wife said, "Do you remember?" So we, we, oh yeah, yeah. And this is and this is Susie's husband. And you meet Susie's husband, and instantly you just don't like it. Afterwards, you go to your car and you get in the car, and you say, "I don't like that guy." And your wife says, "What's you mean? You just met him. You just met him. How could you not like the guy you just met him?" And you go, oh, yeah, I know that guy. I know his type. I know. i got a foot-long file on this dude. you know what I mean? It's because somewhere, sometime, you have experienced someone, maybe 400 guys, 300 guys that were a lot like him, again, another maybe 50, 60 guys that were really like him, and a couple of guys that to you were exactly like him, particularly that guy in the seventh grade that pulled down your gym shorts in gym. You remember him, and you don't lack him. All of that stuff's in here, but see, this is why is this so important? Because this is what the Bible actually is defining as a stronghold. Listen to me. This is why I wanted to get to It's incredibly important. A stronghold is something that you've been trained. Your mind, your subconscious holds every memory, every experience everything you've ever heard. It holds it. And something will trigger. How many? You know how many times I've counseled marriage, married couples, particularly couples that are like in a second marriage or something? And I'm sure you've all heard this, but it's just so obvious. A woman sometimes, a man will say something, a husband will say something with no ill intent whatsoever, but it will Sound to the woman like something her husband before, who betrayed her, said once, and it triggers that emotion, and she instantly, you know, know, like, you know, like, you know, know, sorry, you know, the the evil cat comes out of the woman, man, just starts to rip the guy apart, and the dude's going, What? You know, it had nothing to do with him at all. Okay, turn it around, ladies. I'm sorry. The husband, same thing. You know, you say something and the guy explodes out of nowhere. It's because we trigger something that's still in our subconscious that hasn't been washed clean yet. It just hasn't been washed. It's still there. It's still there. I got to tell you, don't get mad at me. I am not a very strong proponent at all of what the church calls inner cleansing or inner healing. I'm sorry, I'm not, because I don't see it in scripture. I wish it wasn't called that, I guess is the best thing to say, because what people need is to have their minds renewed, because the moment you're born again, that umbilical cord from your past is cut. It's gone. I am a new creation. But it is, see, but your brain, like I said, but your mind is still working how that soul has been trained these 21 years, 34 years. That you never knew how to relate to God because you couldn't, because your spirit was dead. It was just dead. But this is why, again, yes, it's good to understand how the devil works, but I'm just saying, I just think a lot more wisdom needs to come into that area of teaching in the body of Christ as far as inner healing goes. Because you've heard me mention this before. I've seen so many of these people that go to inner healing. The way that people function, some of the counselors, you know, they try to do, you know, can you remember at some point? Remember when you were hurt, you were five years old or six years old and your daddy beat you or your uncle abused you or something like this? And they just, they probe to find an area where maybe you were wounded in spirit and it doesn't mean and i'm not saying people have not been wounded in spirit but the point is if you accept that in other words and then they say well yeah you know what i remember i was locked in a closet i remember my dad bringing me out and just whipping me and whipping me and then every time I made a mistake, he put me back in the closet and had me stay there for six hours and bring me out and spank me again and that thing, you know, to say the least, it's in, it's in really a wound deep in your spirit that can happen. But the point is, if you accept that, and then they, okay, well, let's pray for you right now. I break the power of that in your past in the name of Jesus Christ. And you know what? That's good. You can, and they will experience a freedom. Hallelujah! Because you can break that stuff off of people. See, I got to be very careful. Don't. Indeed, that's what we're we are to break those stuff. Those they're, they're curses. They are curses. Curses are real, to say the least. But the way you break a curse is with a blessing, right? That's what you do. And you, like I said a couple of, and you, you know, see, we got to get our minds renewed. Like I read from Scripture a while back: you can't curse whom God has blessed. And I'm blessed of God. If you try to curse me, that curse is going to come back on you. So I would suggest you don't do it, because you do it to your own hurt. But the point is, if you accept that form of teaching, as it were, as the way, the measure, the way of getting free, I guarantee you, because it's soulish. How do you? You've got to think and think and think and think back. When did this ha- Did something else happen? And I've literally heard him say, uh, "Are you sure that somebody didn't wound? You? Are you sure, you know, that somebody didn't abuse you sexually or somebody didn't do? Are you sure?" And basically, your imagination goes to work. And you can offer up something that has no validity to it whatsoever. And then they'll pray for you. But thing that is... See, and so the next time you begin to feel, oh my God, and your head will say, you know what? There must be something else in my past that needs to be broken. And actually, no, your head needs to get renewed to the Word of God of who you are in Christ right now. What has the blood of Christ done? If you're born again... If you're born again, you have been, I mean the billion things that have happened in Christ, you have been translated out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of the Son of His dear love, and you now have the mind of Christ, but the mind of Christ is in your spirit. You're now alive. Life has come in here, and you have to learn to live from the life, not from the old man, the death. Or the feelings that are in your flesh, you just, and like I said, you begin to just, what does God think about this? What does God say when somebody says, I think, you know, you probably were abused by somebody when you were young. Somebody said that to me, I'd say, well, you know what, I don't really know if I was or not, but I really don't care because that dude's dead. Didn't happen to me. I am a brand new man. See, you can say that like you just think you're quoting a scripture, but I guarantee you, you stick with this long enough, the revelation I am a brand new man. Rod Anderson actually knows I'm a brand new man. I know. I know when those old thoughts come, and they'll still, every once in a while, an old thought will fly by, like I said even this morning. But I've learned, I just, I, that's not my thought, so, you know, excuse me, forgive me, go to hell. I just tell it to go back where it came from, because it didn't come from heaven. Everybody say "I love you, Rod." Just make me feel better for a minute, Thank you, Emmanuel. I appreciate it. Praise God. Even if I had to call it up myself, praise God. Now, once your mind becomes renewed, like I said, you won't have this problem. But what I've been describing as a stronghold—it's what I, I think, I should do. What I want. What I, what I really want to do, and what I feel like doing, like I said, that defines a stronghold. That's why people who were lot in all really deep into booze, and they were confronted by a problem, an experience, like I said, every experience, every experience, everything you've heard, every memory, anything that you've ever gone through is in your subconscious. When you came in, this is see when stress or tension arrives through trials or anything that you may go through, you hear me? You'll try, your flesh, your soul will want to default back to where you used to deal with it. I need a drink. Because that's how I used to deal with it. I need a drink. I need to forget this. I need some dope. I need something. And you just go. You want to go to something else. So this is why what I'm saying is far more important than it sounds like maybe right at the moment. I just want you to really, really recognize these things and really, really understand that, again, it doesn't make that much difference at all what you think or even what you want or what you feel. You have to get to the place, what does my God think? What does my God feel about this? What What does he want for me? So anyhow, my spirit was dead like I said all those years. Now I get saved in jail and suddenly my spirit basically comes alive and my spirit kind of whispers and says, I'm in charge now. My spirit, man, I've got this somehow joy in here, right? I get the joy my spirit's alive now. Praise God. Hallelujah. And my soul, my mind and will and emotions say, oh yeah? We'll see about that. And the war begins. And this is what happens when you get saved. Your spirit, right? You just, when you first feel this joy, there's something inside you can't figure out. And you go, hallelujah. But literally within 30 milliseconds, often your head will still go. Mm, or at least when you walk out the door and you see something that stresses you, see something that bothers you, you'll default to that old way of thinking. Isn't that right? That's why Christians fall away. So your soul says, nope, not without a fight. And your soul's been fighting you ever since ever since you got saved. And I've counseled people in this room right now that go through this. You know, I mean, boom, they are in a warfare and the war is all in their soul. And that's what we have to try to help people with, get their attention to. This is not something of the Spirit. God, by His Spirit and His grace has set you free. You must begin to declare your freedom seriously it's not it's so simple but see you want to figure you want to do something grandiose like Naaman the Syrian the leper wanted to do remember how upset he got when the prophet the man of God said go jump in the river seven times and he said what dude I could have jumped in rivers back in Syria far apart in Damascus and he said they're far cleaner than any river here he said I thought the man of God would come out and wave his hand over me and do this and do that and I'd be delivered from this leprosy and one of the servants very meekly spoke up, remember, and said, uh, uh, Sir, uh, and this was the great man, you know, an incredible warrior, general, big dude. And he goes, Sir, if the man of God had asked you to do some great thing, would you not have done it? How much more should you do it if he's asked some simple thing? So Naaman relents. And I always love the picture there in Second Kings 5. When you watch him, he goes. I always picture Naaman going, <laughs> and walking to the river. And all his servants around him, they're scared. This dude's a bad dude. You know, he's one of the baddest dudes in the valley. Warrior, deep man of valor, deep war, been trained in his youth, killer. And <laughs> he starts to walk out in the water, and he looks back at his servants, and the servants go, You know he kind of, they don't want him, you know. And he goes, Can you imagine what was in his soul? You know, he goes, What am I doing? i dipping the water, dipping the water. Dipping in the water. Dipping what is dipping in the jar water. Water. water got to do with being healed of leprosy? Seriously. But see this is this is what I mean, this is, we're all like Naaman. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. And we go, nah It's too simple. But old Naaman boy, he goes down once I always think about it. Once he comes up. Twice he comes up. Looks back at his servants. His servants, again, they look away. He goes on three times. Saying, just like we do. You confess it once. You want, to, And there's no change. And you confess it twice. And you try it twice. You try tithing twice in a year. And nothing happens. And you don't understand why. I've, I've tithed. You, you 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 were friendly twice in a month and you don't understand why you don't have a flock of friends yet because the Bible says show yourself friendly if you want friends. And this is what Naaman goes on. Three times, four times, five times, six, seven times. God's you a great number of perfection, seven. And, you know, but think about what he felt when he came up that seventh time. Leprosy. No matter how the leprosy in the Old Testament is a type; it's the only disease that is a type and shadow of sin. This is why when you got healed from leprosy, you didn't go to a doctor to get confirmation; you had to go to a priest. Anyhow, that's another teaching. But think about how he must have felt when he arises and he is cleansed. And see, this is what we're trying to say to our people, guys: the Scriptures cannot be broken. It isn't that difficult unless you let your soul convince you that it is. And if you let your soul constantly speak to you about how unworthy and undeserving you are. And how if you allow your soul to keep bringing up to you all the places where you do fall short. Remember, right standing has been deposited into our bank account. Not because of what you've done, but because of what Christ has done. Now, I'm telling you, you need to hear that a billion times in your life. And you're right with God today, not because of how you feel. But when you feel funky is when you declare glory. That's what gets you out of the funk and into the blessing. I didn't write the book. I always say, my name's Rod, his name's God. That's where the resemblance ends, Jack. (laughs) that's as close as it comes but you've got to get to that place where you really recognize this so your soul says no not without a fight that's why the bible says receive the engrafted word of God literally means and that will save your soul it will turn your thoughts your will your emotions into the flow of what God wants instead of what I want when confronted by someone my spirit will say you need not to worry about this just turn the other cheek my soul will say knock this guy out it's your choice. So here comes a real question. With what you read, what you see, what you do, are you feeding your spirit or your soul or your emotions? What, With what you're reading, with what you're seeing, what you're doing, what are you feeding the most, your spirit or your flesh or your soul? If you read more on the Internet than the Bible... <laughs> You then wonder why you don't have the necessary strength when you're tempted. Think about it. It's like using dogs as an illustration. It's like one man said all those years ago. It's like you feed, you go to church on Sunday morning. And, you know, if we had a bill, you go to church on Wednesday night. So you feed your spirit man, remember, one hot meal on Sunday, one cold snack on Wednesday night. But you feed your flesh three hot meals a day, seven days a week. And you wonder why your flesh has the ascendancy over your spirit. What you, listen, what you feed gets stronger. That's what part of fasting does. Fasting causes you to, I'm telling you, this is why your soul, when you start to fast, it is hilarious. Your soul goes nuts. I'm going to die. I mean, literally, your body, I'm going to die. I've gone without food for 26 hours. I'm going to die. I mean, really, and it's always so funny. I mean, the devil said, I mean, it never fails. Like two days into a fast, an old friend will come to town and say, Hey, I want to take you to your favorite steakhouse. I mean, it happens, you know. You're in an office and somebody walks in and says, Hey, I got four dozen Krispy Kreme donuts. Hallelujah. And you're going, Hurry. And I mean, you know, in your soul, man, I mean, that flesh is going, and that donut, like you heard me teach on that donut, is going, and your flesh in your mouth you start to salivate steak steak pizza I don't care oatmeal biscuit. I don't care a raisin you know I mean honestly it's a trip and you see how much control your flesh has that's one of the fun when you actually see it from God's angle it is hilarious because you realize oh my God man my flesh has this much authority my flesh has this much authority. You ain't going to die because you don't eat for three days. Jesus didn't eat for 40 days. Medical science says you can go 40 days without food, not water, but you can go 40 days without food. And the next time, interesting science says in your whole time, that whole time you will not experience hunger pains. But the next time hunger pains begin is when you've entered into the first stage of starvation. That's what science says. But after three four days, like I said, no hunger pains. But anyhow. It's your soul, boy. You want to find out how loud your soul is? Uh, if you do enter into this fast tomorrow, just sit back and kick back and watch what happens. Hallelujah. I'll be sitting at home smiling, <laughs> saying, I wonder what Emmanuel's doing now. I wonder what Denise is doing right now. Oh, my God, man. David spoke to his soul, remember? He said, bless the Lord, O oh my soul. Those are powerful things, man. You don't just read them. And all that was with me. I want you're gonna bless us. So David talked to himself. He wasn't crazy. He learned a secret. He told his soul don't be discouraged. He told his soul to be quiet. Psalm 132 2 says, Surely I have calmed and quieted my soul. I love this. I have calmed and quieted my soul like a weaned child with his mother. Like a weaned child is my soul within me. How do you wean a child? Do you remember weaning Jamie? You don't remember? You should. (laughs) Do you remember weaning Antonio? Antonio, do you remember weaning Eva? Eve? Eva. Eve? Yeah. And, you know, when they first come off of milk and you try to give them some solid food, they go, most of them didn't, whatever, because they don't understand. Because that drink, that milk, is the only thing they've ever known. And you know what they actually think? They don't really, they wouldn't say, I mean, they can't say, they actually think you're trying to kill me. You're actually trying to kill me. You're taking me off the only resource I've ever known. Think about it. You're taking me off the only resource I've ever known. I can't wait for David and Denise to have a baby. Oh, it's going to be a glorious, glorious thing to watch that thing. Hallelujah. But see, it's just like that. The Bible's so clear. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 1 and 2. Paul says, for I, brethren, could not speak to you as to spiritual people, but as to carnal, as to babes in Christ. I had to feed you with milk and not solid food. Right? And he knows what he's talking about. Hebrews 5.12 says almost exactly the same thing. It says, for thou by now, for though, excuse me, for though by now you ought to be teachers, you need someone, again, to teach you the first principles of God, and you've come to need milk and not solid food. Remember? So the Bible talks about between babies and mature, and it goes on to say, but strong meat belongeth unto those who by reason of use have exercised their senses. See, their soul. Do you get that first? Strong meat belongs to those who have exercised their soul to discern the difference between good and evil. You take this soul, this mind, this will, these thoughts, these feelings, these emotions, this will of yours, these thought processes, and you exercise them and bring them into maturity. You get your mind fit to the kingdom. Hallelujah. We must take our souls off of milk and the solid food. That's why it's so important. Where you go to church, quite frankly, because it's not good opinions that help; it's good news. What does a child do when you try to wean it? It cries. It throws a fit. Why do you? What do you think your soul does when you're first trying to wean your soul off of everything it wants to do? It throws a fit. Like I said, you'll watch some of you. If you actually go into the fast, you'll, you'll. By Tuesday and Wednesday, you'll be really saying. This thing's alive in my flesh. This thing's alive. Hallelujah. Okay, so anyhow, so basically, the final point is your soul has to die. Your selfish thoughts, your selfish desires, your selfish emotions need to die. We get to die to self. This is the only real path to victory in life. What you think, what you want, what you feel doesn't really matter. Now, here's a very familiar verse, and these verses are what I'm going to finish with and we all know Hebrews 4 12 for the word that God speaks well I'll read it from this version of New King James I've got on my notes. for the word of God is living and powerful sharper than any two-edged sword piercing even to the division of soul and spirit see the only thing that can show you the difference between what's soulish what's of the spirit is God's word that's why if you won't know the difference until you know God's word Please, do yourself a favor. Know the Word of God. The Word of God will divide between what you want to do and what God wants you to do and think and feel. And it's also, it says, and I will divide of the joints and the marrow." and it is, the Word is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. Right there, thoughts, intents, and hearts. Thoughts is mind, intents is will, and heart is feelings. Right there. But none of us hardly ever go to verse 13. Now, go to verse 13. Hebrews four thirteen, and there's no creature. Now, a creature speaks to the flesh again. speaks it, it speaks to the body and to the soul. Really, here it's it's a, anyhow. Let me keep going. And there's no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are naked and open to the eyes of him to whom we are to give an account. Now, the key word here is the word open. I think you've got it on the slide, don't you? Can you? Oh, there it is. Okay, good. You've got it. The, this word, sorry, 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 This word here is lidso. Trache is where you get the word throat. You know, like a lot of Greek words, they have, and they can almost, you can almost tell what they are from, again, from uh, the English, and like graphe is, is the graph, and things like that. Anyhow. The key word here is open, trache-lidso, trache is your throat, lidso is a military term, Strong's literal translation is this, this is the literal translation of the word trache-lidso, to bend back the neck of a victim to be slain, to expose the gullet of a victim for killing, in other words it means this, and somebody raises a sword. All things are open to God. So basically what that tells you is God's got big plans for your soul. (laughs) He wants to... Hallelujah. You got to hear me. God wants to kill every unredeemed thought, every unredeemed desire, and every unredeemed feeling. He wants to replace them with what he thinks about you, what he desires for you, and what he feels about you. Now hear me, he doesn't want to kill you. He wants to kill what's killing you. Did you hear that? He wants to kill what's killing you. He's trying to do you a favor, renew your mind. Don't think that way. Think this way. Don't be selfish, be generous. Don't be mean, be kind. Don't be anxious, be faithful. Be like I am. Love. I know they don't deserve it. You didn't deserve it. I loved you while you were dead in your sins and trespasses. Give them a break. Love them too. Turn the other cheek. Don't slap them. Turn the other cheek. Oh, well, I can see you really like this. Soulish, selfish desires, your soulish, selfish feelings. He wants them dead but alive unto him. So don't let the devil tell you what he feels about you. Know what God feels about you. Final verse, well, final two verses, Luke 9:23. Jesus said to them, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily. Everybody say daily. Daily. Because this is what the Christian walk is all about. I got brand new news for you. It is not like old Dr. Cole used to say, Christianity is not magic wand theology. You come up here, we pray for you one time, kaboom, and all your problems are over forever. Hallelujah. No, he said, you take up your cross and you die daily if you're going to want to follow me. We get to do this daily. In other words, once doesn't work as every day has new evil to it. And of course Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15:32, I die daily. I'm done. <laughs> I die daily. See, this is more important than your acting. This is why Christians quit coming to church. I don't feel like it. But Julie told me this morning she didn't feel like coming to church. She said, I want to just lay in bed all day today. I said, I do too. She said, but you can't. I said, why? She said, you're the pastor. You have to be there. I said, well, shoot. I guess I do have to go to church. I don't want to go to church. I could have have called Sheila and said, Sheila, take the church, something like that. But being the faithful man of God that I am, hallelujah. I wanted to make sure Angela came to church because I don't feel good unless I know Angela's in church, hallelujah. Now please, my humor, forgive me. Uh, It is a deathly serious situation. What you think, what you want. I know you think a lot of things. I know you want stuff and want things to happen a certain way. And I know you've got feelings, but you see, if I, as a pastor, am going to follow God accurately, I have to, when I counsel you, say, I recognize you think that way. God doesn't. So I don't care how you think. You've come here because you said you need help. I can't help you, but I know the God who can. And how you're going to be helped is to start thinking like He thinks. You need to want what he wants, and you need to feel what he feels when you look at situations. Remember when I said Naaman jumping the river? Too simple? Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Too simple? I'm redeemed. I'm a brand new man. I am rich. I am healed. I am free. I think good thoughts. And you know what? I do. It, yeah, I do. It's incredible. Just by the grace of God. I tell you, again, you know, these now since 2017, every morning I'm still in the Word. God has still got this grace on me where I'm just constantly reading through the Bible. I, can, I, I wish, you know, sometimes I sit there and I stop and I close my eyes and I say, Oh, God, please let what you're instilling in me come upon my people. Please, please, please. Because you can't put it in words. Even in the Old Testament, when you read all these miracles, you go back and you read Samson, even all this stuff. I mean, even Samson, as crazy as he was, you know, but the mighty acts that he did, you read the faith of you know Abraham, Isaac and Jacob you watch Isaiah, you watch these guys you see the miracles, you see what Gideon does, you, David and oh my God, you know, watching David you know, David sought the Lord, David sought the Lord, David sought the Lord he only got in trouble the one time he didn't seek the Lord but you see all these miracles and this stuff happen, the Red Sea, and you realize whoa, 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 see those I'm serving the same God, I know that sounds so simple, but he is the same yesterday, today and forever see I, I, the other day I got caught up on the fact when, uh, well, who was it, uh, gosh, uh, who, no, it was David in one place where David had sinned by numbering Israel, and basically, you know, the uh, prophet uh, Nathan gave me three choices, remember, and he chose the one: let the Lord handle the Lord be upon me for these three days rather than enemies or the sword of the enemy or what have you but it says then that David walked out and he said he saw the angel of the Lord standing between heaven and earth right he saw the angel of the Lord standing between heaven and earth and then I read in the verse that the cherubim that their wings were 15 feet from one end to the other and in my mind's eye chill whatever that is, stop it for a moment I'm trying to quit, give me a break you don't have to do that to get me to stop <laughs> no but thing, you know I be still Hush! I said, hush! I'll kick you in the face. But I mean, can you be a little child for a while? Think, of, think about a fifteen-foot wingspan, fifteen-foot wing on that side, a fifteen-foot wing on this side. This dude is like between fifteen to twenty foot tall. It says, and he's standing here with his sword up. Now that would move me. But what? I'm trying to say is this those angels are still around today aren't they? that isn't something that's just passed away these boys are with us now and the more you stay in the book the more you become aware that's all I'm trying to say you become aware this stuff is right here right now I don't have to be afraid there are more for me than there are against me and I'm trying to tell you there's more for you And you know what? I'll just shut up. Take this unto yourself. And like the song said, let the future begin. Amen. Amen. I'm done. Hallelujah. Father, thank you for your word. I pray that somebody heard something. And they'll take it away and they'll let it nest in their spirit, man, and even nest in their soul. To learn how to differentiate between the spirit and the soul. And bless God, they will. They'll just say, I'm gonna think, I'm gonna do everything I know. I'm gonna think like God thinks, I'm gonna want what God wants. I'm gonna feel what God tells me to feel in Jesus' name. You'll find life so much better. So I give you thanks for it, Father, in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Alright, Amen. Thank you so very much. God bless you. Eat your cornflakes now, okay? Stand up stand up go out of here with the song but listen before everybody does crank up remember like we said next week is envision right just envision next week really is important i want you to do your most your best to be there because again a lot of great things will be shared and a lot of great people are going to share some great stuff and it's important so think about staying over next weekend say to leave next week and yeah, next sunday but again, as you enter into this fast, I pray God's courage on you to step out and to take authority over your flesh and to step in. it, once you crack this thing, once you actually crack this three, four day barrier and you experience what I know, what I've experienced so many times, that, that euphoria thing, you'll kick yourself in the ear and say, why have I not done this more often? Of the sense of understanding, the clarity that you have, and just it's amazing, it's always been there. It's a supernatural thing that causes shifts in the heaven and shifts in the earth. The book says so. So let's do it, okay? Amen. Amen. All right, the Bible says, we that believe went out. you really enjoyed this message. For further information, visit www.commonwealthchurch.org and feel free to join us on any Sunday.